You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius audio podcast. Sometimes have you noticed that people say what they say versus what people say they said or thought they said creates controversy, confusion. It creates problems at times, right? Um, This happens a lot of time in life. It happens when topics are complex. It happens when discussions are tense. It especially happens when the stakes are high, that we find ourselves embroiled in this confusion, controversy, even question. I remember one time uh, I graduated from Oral Roberts University. I remember when I was there, it was during the period of time when uh, Oral said that if he died uh, and he didn't get the funds raised for the city of faith, that he would go to heaven. Well, actually, Susan and I were in chapel that day when he almost said that. See, it created all this controversy in Christendom and across America, but what he actually said that day was, he said, if I don't get this done when I go home, it's going to be undone. And that's actually what's happened. But it created controversy and questioning in the midst of the difference between what people thought he said or understood him to say versus what he actually said and what he actually intended. This happens in life. It happens all the time. And that's why we're in the middle of this series, because it actually happened to Jesus several times. He said stuff and people said, did he just say that? Did Jesus really just say that? And we're going to talk about one of those this morning as we continue our series. But before we get going, let me just ask you to go ahead and find John chapter 6 in your Bibles, your technology devices. That's where we're going to be, but I'm going to give you some background. How many of you have downloaded the app? How many of you have smartphones? Okay, if you raised your hand on the second one but not the first one, download the app. Right? The, the app has notes. You can stream live on it. Um, if you're at home and you're sick or something like that, you can get the service right on your phone, right on your iPad, with all that's there. The notes are there, the sermon's there. Uh, you can even flip to your Bible there. So we want to encourage you to do that. So this morning, I'm going to be in John chapter 6, but before I get there, I want to give you some background to what we're going to talk about this morning, to this thing that Jesus said that was so uh, mind-blowing to the people that heard him. So in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, we find out that John the Baptist has been beheaded. Right? John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. That's big enough. There's grief that goes along with that. But the other thing that we, you have to realize is that John the Baptist was the forerunner, right? He was the guy who was saying the Messiah is coming. Well, don't you know that if the forerunner who's been saying the Messiah is about to come and he's gone now, guess who's come? The Messiah. It's time for Jesus to step on stage center. It's, this is, it's, his time is here now, and we're going to see him begin to say that in, in, these, in our text today and the things that we're, we're talking about. So what do you do when your cousin, your forerunner, your friend, you've just found out that he's dead and you want to go and be alone? Well, if your friends are fishermen, you say, boys, let's go for a boat ride. And so Jesus says to his disciples, let's go. And so they, they walked the short distance from Nazareth to the Sea of Galilee, and they got in a boat just so Jesus could be alone. And they went to the other side. But because Jesus is Jesus is, and because it was his time, people were following. And they followed him in boats, and they followed him along the shore. It's not a big lake. The Sea of Galilee is only about 10 miles long and about uh, 6 miles wide at its widest point. It's not big. It doesn't have a shoreline that Lake Norman does. And so people were following from the south side over to the um, on the southeast, southwest side to the east side. They followed him, and he gets over. They're trying to be alone, and a crowd shows up, more than 5,000 to be exact. 
And so what happens? Jesus, because he's in this compassionate sort of a stage, he, he says, I'm not going to just send them away. And we have the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 because of it. Right? But he still, Jesus still wants to be alone. He's still trying to find some solitude time. He still needs to contemplate what's going on and feel a, a little sense of, of grief that he's walking through. And so it says that he pulled away to a mountaintop. If you've ever looked at the region, and I have, there's actually uh, small mountains and plateaus all around the lake. And so he went up to one of these, and it says the disciples went to the other side. They didn't just go back to where they came from on the uh, southwest side. They actually went to the northwest side, and they went to Capernaum is where they ended up at. But Jesus' disciples go ahead on. He hangs out there and he says, I'll catch up with you later. Well, when Jesus says, I'll catch up with you later, he means I'm going to come to you walking on water. And so Jesus comes and he walks on water and this is all happening in the same 24-hour span of time. And so he comes to them walking on the water and then they find themselves in Capernaum and he's teaching in the synagogue. But because, again, Jesus is who Jesus is and because it's his time, People are following again. They realize he's not where they left him, and so they go looking for him again. Some in by boats and some around the lake. And they find him in Capernaum, and they're like, Jesus, that bread yesterday, it was awesome. I don't know how you did that, but it still was warm. And it was, mm, it was just the best bread. Can we do that again? And Jesus is like, all you want. You just want food and signs. You just want dinner and entertainment. And he says, look, I got more important things for you than bread. I got spiritual food that you don't understand and that you don't know about. And so Jesus starts talking to them about the spiritual food. And he says, if you believe in the one that God has sent, being himself, that's your spiritual food. This is how you obtain your spiritual food. And so they said, well, 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 what kind of signs, though, are you going to give us? Again, signs and food, right? Miracles and food. They want this. And he said, what kind of signs? You know, uh, our fathers, they got to see manna in the desert. And he's like, here we are at the food and the miracles again. And so you can just see, like, why do they keep, they keep asking for this miracles and food? And he says, look, guys, I got more important things for you. I've got spiritual food. He says, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven. The Father sent it. And the Father has sent you another set of bread. And he, that bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Again, he's starting to point to himself, right? You can tell he's just about to like lay it out there. The Messiah is about to put it out there as to who he is and what he's here for. And they're like, okay, okay, we'll take some of that bread. Give us some of that bread. And he's like, dudes, I am the bread of life. And that's what he says in verse 35. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me does not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst again. How many of you know this is the same thing he said to the Samaritan woman, basically? I got water you don't understand about, and if you drink it, you'll never thirst. How many of you don't understand that, right? But the Samaritan woman, she got it. These followers, these disciples, they're not getting it. They're not getting it. And he's trying to relate it to, the, to what's happening today, what's happened in the last 24 hours, the, the circumstances, the events. And he goes on to say this. Um, oh, first. So then... He says that, and, he, and they go to him. They say, um, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And if, you know, it comes down from heaven. And some of them go, look, this is Jesus. He, he's, he comes from Nazareth right over here. His dad used to be a carpenter. I've met his mother at a PTO meeting one time. And we know who he is. We know his family. 
And they start murmuring, like, what's this whole thing of the bread's come down, I am the bread, you know, all that kind of stuff. And Jesus calls them out on it. He literally says, stop murmuring. He says, don't murmur. And, uh, and then he goes on to try and talk to them some more. And he says, tries to explain to them who he is and that he has eternal life and that he's the bread of life. And, um, and they just aren't getting it. And so they're not getting his metaphor. They're not understanding this spiritual application that he's trying to make. And they're not embracing the message that he said. And many of us, we have the same issues. We don't understand. We don't fully embrace it sometimes. We don't get it. We can't explain it to others. And we're kind of in the same boat. Listen, we can talk about the bread of life. We can talk about how we really love, really live in Jesus Christ. But here's the deal, and it's in your notes. To fully experience the life that Jesus offers, you have to embrace the provision that Jesus provides. You have to. But can you see how this conversation in Capernaum is growing in intensity? He's trying to help them get it, and they keep pushing back, and they don't understand. And so he he tries to explain it again, and it just keeps going. I I can really relate. I don't know about any of you, but I'm just going to tell you, from time to time, I'll tell somebody something, and they don't get it. And so I try to explain it again, and they still don't get it. And then this time, because they don't get it and they haven't gotten it twice, they think I'm wrong, and so they start pushing back. And No, 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 no. And so then I try to explain again because I know they're not getting what I'm trying to explain to them. And so I I get a little more emphatic. I get a little more um, direct about what I'm trying to say. My voice probably goes up. All those things are happening because I know they're not getting it. And so what happens is, is that the intensity of this thing grows. And so then they begin to push back thinking I'm starting to argue and I'm not. I'm just trying to help them get it because they don't see it. And so you see this whole thing grow and grow. And that's happens to me all the time. And so then what happens if you're like me, this is what happens. Then you just want to, you've had enough, right? And you just want to like, I want to get this across And I'm going to say something that's going to get the point across. Anybody ever done that? Anybody have kids? Yes? And that's where we are. That leads us to our text because sometimes I will say something just for shock value, just to bold enough, blunt enough, in their face enough to get the point across. Here's Jesus. He comes to this text. And in John chapter 6, verse 53, it's amped up. We've built to this point, And he says to them, truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day because my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Not the stuff you want. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and they died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And he said this while he was teaching at the synagogue in Capernaum. I'm not going to read the rest of our passage that's text this morning. But I will tell you, if you jump down to verse 66, it says that at this point... Many of his disciples turned and no longer could follow him. And he actually even said to the 12, are you guys going to leave me too? Are you guys going to leave me? This morning, I want to talk to you about two things. I want to talk to you about what Jesus did not say. 
and what Jesus was saying. That's basically what we want to talk about this morning. So what was Jesus not saying? Jesus was not saying or was not calling the Jews to break the law. We know that in Leviticus, Moses handed down the law to Moses, right? And part of that, in in chapter 17, he lays out and he says, look, you cannot have any blood. You can't eat the blood. You can't drink the blood. You don't do that. I know some of you, you like to keep all the juices in when you make your steak and stuff. But he's saying, no, you got to drain it out. Why is that? Because blood was for atonement. Blood wasn't for our pleasure, it was for atonement. And he said, you can't have the blood. So, so this is a law that's been handed down for a long time. Jesus is not saying break the law. Nowhere does Jesus ever say break the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. He doesn't say break it. The second thing was Jesus was not promoting cannibalism. I've heard people say that before. No, he wasn't. Cannibalism was not even a thing in Jerusalem at this time. This is the Roman Empire. There probably were some pagan people who had done some of this stuff in the past, but they're not here. It's not a thing in in Jerusalem at this time, and they're not promoting it. Jesus is not saying if you come and eat a Jesus chicken finger, it's going to be really good. No cannibalism in it whatsoever. It wasn't a thing. The third thing that Jesus was not saying Jesus was not speaking literally. He was speaking figuratively. I just talked about this metaphor that came out of the events of the last 24 hours and how he was using what they experienced and what they now wanted to point them to what he really was there to provide and what they really needed. But they're not getting it. But Jesus was speaking in metaphor. He was speaking in parable. He was talking to them, but he was trying to relate it to the current events that had happened in the last 24 hours. Sometimes when I talk to my kids or you talk to your family, you relate things to current events that happened in in the, in our world, some things you see on news, some things that happen in your family. But that's what he was doing. He was relating it to what had just happened. So if those are what Jesus is not saying, then what is Jesus saying? The first thing is Jesus is saying this, is he's saying that motive matters. The motive of our heart matters. How many of you, how many of you like dinner theater? Yes. Okay, so if you like dinner theater and you decide to go, would you call me? Susan and I love dinner theater. (laughs) If you want, let me know. I'll call you, but we can go. We love dinner theater. Why? It's it's a great time. I mean, you got this great meal, right? And then you got the entertainment that's on the stage, and you get to hang out with friends. I mean, it's like, I think these Jews liked it too. Like, what's not to like about Jesus is feeding people for free, and while you're eating, he's up there, he's doing all these miracles, he's on stage. It's dinner theater for some people. For some of these people, it was dinner theater. Jesus is not about trying to fulfill our physical needs. Jesus is trying to talk and address our spiritual needs. As some of these, at best, it was about the physical, but Jesus wants to talk about the spiritual. The second thing that Jesus was not saying, I'm sorry, that Jesus was saying was Jesus was saying that knowledge is not enough. He goes on to talk about that. And he, he says, that 
He tells us in verse 53, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, drink his blood, you have no part. Look, it's not, knowledge is not enough. You've got to do something with this. There's more to it than just knowing. How many of you know that you can know who Jesus is, but that doesn't make you saved? There's lots of people who know that Jesus is. There's even a lot of people who believe he might have been the Son of God, but that doesn't make him Savior, right? Knowledge of the scripture, being able to say all the books of the Bible in order, being able to sing the words to all the songs on the screens with your eyes closed, that doesn't make, bring salvation. It's not what you know at all that does it. Can I just chase a rabbit for a second? It's not even about what you like. I'm not sure when in America that church preferences became the, the thing we come to church not because we like the lights or because we like the way we feel when we leave or something like that. We're coming because, because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords deserves our worship. We are coming to worship him. We are coming to, to learn more about him. We're coming to encourage one another and to grow as disciples. We are coming to be equipped to disciple others because disciples make disciples. And if you're a disciple and you're not making a disciple Man, that creates a really big question for me. And it should for you. Knowledge is not enough. Knowledge of who he is is not enough. The third thing that Jesus is trying to communicate is this, is that eternal life requires a decision. When Jesus said in verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, he was calling people to fully embrace him as Savior. You can know what he did. You can believe he's the son of God. But he doesn't become your savior until what? Until you decide to let him be your savior. It requires a decision on our part. It requires that you and I have to decide that he's not just the savior. He's my savior. It has to become personal. We have to make the decision. Eternal life requires something on our part. Romans 10, 9 says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is is the Lord, right? That will be saved. It requires a decision. It requires a, a decision. Not just that, but it also requires a commitment. Our pl- fourth po- and final point today is this. Abundant life requires a commitment. He says this, just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. What's he saying? He's saying that we're saved in a moment by a decision. But to fully experience the life that he provides, we have to make a commitment. We have to abide in him. He said it this way in John, later on in John, in John chapter 15, he talks about abiding in the vine. Remember that? Let me read it to you again. He says this, remain in me, also I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but if we remain in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, the other word is if you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. King James says abide. God is calling us to abide in him. If we want to have the abundant life, we have to abide in him. Listen, this is the whole big point. This is the point of this whole shocking thing that Jesus was saying. Was he was calling his followers and his disciples to a point of commitment, right? John is dead. The forerunner's dead. Jesus realizes his day is ahead of him. 
And he is calling. He is beginning to say, okay, guys, you've been following me. You've been showing up at the dinners. You've been showing up at the things. You've been listening to the things I said. But it's not about what you know. It's not about what you've seen. It's not about what you've experienced. It is about your commitment. I'm calling you to a commitment. That's what Jesus was doing in this text. He's calling us. He's calling you. He's calling me to a commitment. Why did Jesus' followers, in verse 66, why did many of them leave? I think it's three things, and I'm just going to give them to you really quickly. I think it's because they couldn't handle the thing that he was asking them for. Jesus was calling them from religion to relationship. And that happens in churches all the time. There are lots of reasons why people are in church today all across this city. Some it's about the lights and the music about what their kids are being taught and that their spouse wants them to go. There's all kinds of reasons why they continually make the trek. But Jesus was calling them from religion to relationship. Jesus was calling them from being recipients to being partners. And Jesus was calling them from being casual followers to committed disciples. And a lot of them couldn't handle it. It was more than they were willing to commit to. And so they left him. This morning, we're going to conclude our time together by taking communion. We are going to take his flesh and his blood this morning in remembrance of him. See, Jesus first says it here in John chapter 6 and he last says it in the upper room on the night he's betrayed he talks to them about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and the benefits of it and what he's calling them to and this morning we want to do that for more information on Grace Covenant Church our service times, ministry opportunities directions and more visit us at gracecovenant.org